the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. get to it here on the dave ellswick show and uh, elizabeth will be calling in well there's the phone right now it's ringing that's gotta be her she's going to join us uh some big news out of the uh, capitol from yesterday sb6 passed the senate and you say what is sb6 well if you remember a couple of years ago state senator jason rapert uh had a bill that uh, would make uh, abortion illegal in the uh, state of Arkansas if you had the federal government saying that uh, we had to do it for whatever reason. And it would automatically had a trigger that would kick over that we would fight that. Well, yesterday, what they did in the Senate is they said instead of waiting uh, for the federal government to do something like that, that they would go ahead and pass the bill, and uh, that way they they looked at it that it would get its way up to the uh, the federal Supreme Court, and would be decided that states' rights would be back in force about abortion again here uh, in in Arkansas. So it passed the state Senate yesterday. Now, did I get that right, uh, Elizabeth? Is that the, is that what that's basically what we did, was it not? Uh, that's what I understand. Okay, so it barely passed at twenty-seven to seven, but that's what I understand. Yeah, the bottom of twenty-seven to seven—that's not barely passing. <laughs> well, it wasn't quite a party line vote. You would have thought it might have been a little more like maybe oh, twenty-eight no. or H- even twenty-nine. H- is voting, so it's not going to be a party line <laughs> vote. Come on. That's not no, Hendren have... voted present. Hendren, yeah. Jim Hendren voted present. Which well, is voting no. He didn't want yes, to go exactly. on the record is what it was so that nobody could use that against him. Uh, I, was yeah. a, I was a little <laughs> bit stunned on on Hickey voting Jim no Hickey. on it. Uh, did he hold any kind of a stand up in front of the media and answer why he voted no? I am unaware. I was at a Republican Party meeting all last night, so I didn't have time to check all that out. But yeah, that's what I, I heard I at our at anything. our meeting. I have not seen anything about it, so I'll uh, be interested to hear what he has to say about it. I'll put in a call to him, see what I can find out. Uh, the other thing uh, you, you said that Missy Irvin was something. It was something going on with her. Can you explain what what went down with her? I, well, Senator Rapert reported to our Republican Party meeting last night that she uh, 
was was opposing the bill more or less from the floor. He was a little surprised. She got herself pretty excited about it, I guess, and left the floor. Then they had the vote. Well, she was a co-sponsor. So apparently they expunged the vote and did it over again so that she could vote for the bill. I'm not really sure. It's probably, and it is on video. We were urged to watch video and see how it all went. Um, I was told that the debate uh, on this bill was quite interesting. You can go to www.arcleg.state.ar.us. I'll try to find a link later and put it up on your Facebook page if I can find something. Those those tapes are usually rather long, the videos. Right. So if I can figure out where to drop in on it, we can maybe do that. But, um, yeah, it um, it passed the Senate, and now it's on its way through the system. Okay, so Jason Rapert, you know, State Senator Jason Rapert, said that he stopped behind the scenes. In other words, talking about came off the floor and was trying to see what was going on. Hendren was trying to work a hostile amendment or a poison pill amendment to this legislation. Apparently, apparently some sort of opposition. So he not only voted present, but he was uh, trying to, I guess, garner support for what is it called? Common ground. <laughs> apparently yeah. he couldn't find any common ground yesterday. Okay. All right. So anyway, that's going to be interesting to see. Now it goes to the house. And if it's, uh, if it passes the house then it's going to go to the, to the governor, and he'll have to make up his mind whether he'll sign it or uh, veto it or let it become law without a signature. That that's the three decisions the governor has. He can vote. He can sign it into law. He can veto it, make it go back to the Senate and to the uh, uh, the House, and you need a fifty plus one vote to uh, override his veto, or he can just sit and not do anything, and after a certain amount of time, it becomes law no matter what. So that's that's what, true. What do you think? If it passes, do you think he will sign it? Do you I, think he will refuse it? I I think that he'll sign it, but, you know, I've been surprised. I'm surprised that Higgy voted against, and I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, and don't understand Missy Irvin. I'm going to go back and watch that video and why she was speaking uh, evidently uh, so against this bill uh, before, because it did nothing to change the bill except to say that it may, it puts it into effect now so that the courts can rule against it, which they will, and force it into uh, being worked up uh, through the legal system and get it to the Supreme Court. And let's see now uh, what the Supreme Court does with it. I mean, I, we'll, I, you know, what do you think? What do you, I mean, I mean, I mean, isn't that what it basically does? It doesn't do anything to the bill at all, except uh, puts it into the, the lawyer, the lawyer's lap, the judge's lap. Uh, to to make some decisions on it, we hope to put it in the judges' laps if they'll if they'll work Hear with it. it, so to speak. Um, unlike other Supreme Courts, and that's another conversation. <laughs> um, I think it's a good move. I'm wondering if we're starting to see fault lines even within the representation in our state house and state senate 
we're seeing fault lines in the Republican Party. It, it, you know, many people on one side will say it's anti-Trump or it's Trump based. I say it's America first based. It's a different approach. Um, I wonder, it, it, you know, it goes back to what Senator Hendren said. Uh, not that I necessarily agree, but he says, I don't want to be in a party that's defined by Trump. It's not. That's the problem. They don't understand that. I'm wondering if those fault lines are starting to appear amongst our senators and our representatives. I don't know if that's been the case or not. What other issues are you seeing fault lines on? Well, within the Republican Party, it's the fault lines between the grassroots that want more definitive action. And I'm talking more on the national basis. We're in good shape in Arkansas with one of the most conservative uh, legislatures and, and most Republican majority legislatures we've ever had. In fact, that's a whole other conversation. Heard good news last night, interesting news, on the 1619 project bill that failed. Um, Stephen Meeks reported to us last night, and he explained his vote, and I think I agree with what he said. Um, He said, look, if the way the bill was written was so specific about the 1619 project that all the left had to do was change the name of their programs and they could have gone on and continued to do what they were doing. Uh-huh. He said, I, cho- I chose to, to work on the other side, which is promoting the proper teaching of history in the schools and that sort of thing, because then our students will be educated enough to know the difference between the truth and the garbage. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case, but uh, I, I don't approach. think, you know, personally, 1619 is nothing but a bunch of lies. And they they shouldn't be teaching it in school systems because it's a bunch of lies. You know, I, I want them to teach history. I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm all about Stephen Meeks wanting history to be taught and civics to be taught and, you know, Constitution to be taught with things that he's been pushing uh, for years now. But, you know, you got to get some specifics in here to, to deal with it. You can't just, you know, try to do it, uh, you know, where – there are no specifics in the bill pointing at these things that are just fabricated. This is fabricated well, history. It's not even real. And that's part, that's part of what is so difficult about this whole ideological political fight. A lot of what the Democrats are doing is so – you can't put a name on it. You can't put a label on it. Example, 1619 Project, we could change the name. We can still do the things we're doing. What are those things? Well, we're lying about the origin of our country. We're telling you things that aren't true. We're leaving out the truth. We're obliterating the past. But how do you delineate all that? How do you detail all that in a legal bill to say you cannot do these things? And do we want that type of... it's really it's really weird. The types of laws that we may end up putting in place to stop these people, I don't know if we want to be that locked down, but we may have to to stop. I don't know what you do to stop socialism, Dave. It's alarming. All right. We've got to get a break in. Let's do that. Elizabeth Soltolaro is with us right now. She went out to start her car. Her battery is dead <laughs> in the Miata. So she wasn't able to make it into the studio today, but that's okay. She's right with us on the phone. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. I want to remind you about Dustin Turner and about your house. I mean, everybody everybody sooner or later is going to want to sell their home. That's just part of the deal. 
I mean, it, it's a conversation that's going on within the walls of the Ellswick uh, household right now. When do we want to sell the house? How soon do we want to sell the house? And there's a couple things that I know I got, I'm going to do. I'm going to have the inside of the house painted, and I'm going to have some new flooring put in the house. But I think that's all I'm going to do to it as far as outside, you know, you know uh, how pretty is it on the street and all of that kind of stuff. I'll leave that for the next owner to decide what they uh, want to do as far as that's concerned. Because you can put so much money into your house that you price yourself out of the market, and you don't want to do that. So what's the best way, what's the easiest way, let me put it that way, to be able to do that uh, and, and, and walk away with some money? And, and that's to let Dustin Turner literally buy your house. Uh, forget about the open houses. Forget about showing your home. Forget about staging your home and all of that. Let Dustin Turner and his crew uh, come over and give you a competitive cash offer, see what you think about it, and save you the trouble of having to sell your home the old-fashioned way. Do it the new way. Do it the Dustin Turner way with the uh, home team brokered by EXP Realty. They can give you an instant cash offer without the large hidden fees. All you have to do, seriously, this is all you got to do. Give them a call or visit them online. Uh, you can call them at uh, 501-952-2969. It's 501-952-2969. Or go online to uh, hometeamsoldit.com. Hometeamsoldit.com. And you can start packing. Here, Key, I'm just telling you, this is from me, all right, from Dave Ellswick. And that is, when I get ready to sell my home, there's only one agent I'm going to trust to do it, and that's Dustin Turner. Dustin Turner, give him a call today. All right, so uh, Elizabeth Sotolaro is with us on phone. She's sitting at her house with her cats and her cup of coffee and talking to <laughs> us. Uh, Elizabeth, so what do you think uh, uh, things are going to do as, uh, or how they're going to go in the house on SB6? I, I think that it's going to pretty much sail through the house as well do you feel that way i feel that way i hope that that's what happens um well i've not i've been a little surprised on a couple of the bills but in general i have not been overall surprised on the outcomes um i'm hoping this is not as hot but as a hot button as maybe it's been in the past of course, yeah, no, it tends no, to be. No, stand your ground goes up again in front of the uh, the today. house judiciary today so I'll be uh, interested yeah. to see what happens there. If it doesn't pass, uh, I'm going to be interested. And I can't believe they're going to bring it back up unless they know they got the votes. Did they, do, I, you, do you know, did they change any language in that bill whatsoever? I asked a couple of folks last night. The general consensus was we don't think so, but I'm not sure. I don't believe so. Okay, well, I'm, um, I'm, let, me, let me just fire off a, a quick text to um to bob ballinger and see what he has to say about that I'll find, while you're doing I'll find that, that real quick another piece of news that we heard was from Stephen meeks again this was an interesting thing i had not heard he has a bill that over the next 25 years would allow 
the Arkansas legislature to move toward eliminating our property taxes. Oh, very good. Very interesting. He explained it by saying that it doesn't give the solution, it doesn't fix the problem, but it paves the way and does it over a period of a long time because of the budgetary impact. In other words, he said it it works out to, I think he was saying, he mentioned a $500 million impact, so 25 into $500 million. A yearly impact is much less than our yearly surplus has tended to be. So he says if we stretch this out over 25 years, we can chip away at it and eventually eliminate the property tax. He said it's the most difficult and most expensive tax to collect when people don't pay. And as far as also as far as processing normal payments and everything. So what is, so, have, did they talk, did he talk at all about, are they thinking in the back of their mind, well, we got to make that money up somewhere, or are they just saying this would be money that we're finally going to have less government, so uh, we'll just take the loss of the revenue? He did not address that point. He did speak of the financial impact and how the timeline would you know, soften the blow, so to speak. He didn't use those words, but that's what it was all about, was stretching that out so the impact would be less than, you know, what has been a surplus every year. In other words, it shouldn't hurt. <laughs> but he was he was running through several different things that, uh, you know, we, we had several lawmakers at our meetings last night, and they ran through a lot of different details. It was very informative. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because it uh, seems to me uh, that uh, the schools are going to fight tooth and nail against that. That's where they get a well, lot of, of their course, money. Well, of course, that's what everyone at the table that I was sitting at, we immediately started kind of whispering about special elections um, and how the school superintendents and the mayors stopped it. And this, there, there will be some intense, some intense pushback, I'm sure. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. So, it, does he say they're going to bring forth legislation this general session to to start on that, or are they going to take it into uh, under under action? And you're going to have to wait a couple of years until we've got a uh, another governor in there to help maybe push it over the finish line. Well, you know, our current governor wouldn't be supportive of something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, he didn't. He didn't really speak. I think it is just one of the bills. He mentioned bills that he was sponsoring, and of course, how many bills we have? What two thousand bills every session? That's and the ones that we through. hear of. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You know, I think this is just one of the bills he sponsors. Um, we'll have to watch. We're what halfway through now. Yeah. And so the things that are most important are coming, you know, have already come up or are coming up to the rising to the top. Well, it's the going to be interesting because now push comes to shove. Exactly. We have three weeks or a little more if they decide to extend a little bit, but they can't extend much. And then the other thing, of course, and this was in the news, I think, a day or so ago. But, of course, Senator Rapert is uh, mentioning yeah, the redistricting deal may require a special, probably will. I don't see why, it can, I don't see how in the world, if we do it with the proper data, that it would, I mean, it has to be a special session. They're telling them now that they will not get the census data until 
September. Oh, my gosh. And that's because we already know about the census. All right. This is just this is just maddening. We already know about the census. But because of the Democrats, we're now going to go back and count all the illegals. And don't let me let me make a point about that in a moment. We're going to count all the illegals. And that's going to be the data that comes out in September, two months before the next election. It's not enough time. So, see, they're screwing with the system once again and messing us up. The idea of going back in and adding illegals is a problem. We are only allowed a certain number of state representatives across this country at our Congress. Uh When they add in illegals, it's going to completely skew the arrangement of our population. And there will be states who will lose representatives because other states, perhaps like California, Texas, will gain because of their, quote, population. Well, I got to tell you what, DeSantis was talking about that, the governor of Florida, and said that they stand to, to gain several seats, he said, if uh, now, that's a good that thing. Happens. That's a good thing. But think about the fact that there are, you know, we, we have a lot of Republican representation across the country. And when the redistricting happens, it may change because it will change because of, like, say, this concentration of population that the Democrats have now decided that anyone who sits on the on the soil of our country decide, you know, it could should be counted for representation in our government. Well, that's where it comes down to state governments then when they redistrict doing that. Okay, I I rudely was interrupted there by the news at the bottom of the hour. But (laughs) the point that I was trying to make is that there are more Republican states than there are Democrat states. So as far as that goes, when you look at these states that you're talking about, uh, extra uh, districts because of uh, illegal immigration, uh, I think that as Republican or con- conservative states uh, will have the uh, the power, so to speak, on, on redistricting to keep that from getting out of hand. What do you well, think about that? I, I certainly hope that that's the case. Um, again, we were told last night that they're going to do the job right, and they like I say, we will quite likely need a special session because the data is going to come in so very late. Um, I kind of wonder how in the world they're going to get it done in time. To, I mean, we know a little bit about how elections are run. It takes a while to get the machines programmed and the precincts straightened out and all that sort of thing, and I just don't see where there's going to be enough time. Well, they're going to have to get it done because that's just the way it is. Well, and that's what I'm saying. The Democrats, once again, just by the way that they're doing what they're doing, are creating problems and obstruction and issues within our systems that are very difficult to to counterbalance. It's very hard to fight against that type of systemic problems. (laughs) Yeah, the the other problem, for instance, is that we got a Supreme Court that won't get involved in getting things straightened out. Uh, well, that's, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think uh, yesterday when they decided not to hear the case about Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying, Thomas said, yeah, I want to hear about it. Uh, uh, who was it? Gorsuch said no. Barrett said, well, let's do no's. All right. That, that should have said yes so that we could get in in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, Gorsuch, well, that would be Kavanaugh and Barrett. Uh, well, Barrett. Roberts and Gorsuch 
wasn't that the three, or did Gorsuch I, say, let's I hear I thought it. Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas were the three outliers. Okay. Let me find Gor- Let Gorsuch me find agreed that. with Alito and signed on. All right. So you got three of the six conservatives that said yes, but you got to have four justices to get it in front of the Supreme Court. And I would really like to, I, I'm going to sit down and read the um, the opinions and see mm-hmm. what these uh, justices were saying. I'm not saying that they didn't have good reasons to not hear. I'm sure that a, a problem is, do you get involved with something on a state level that deals with a state law, not a federal law? Do you get involved in that? And, you know, that's a really sticky wicket, as they like to say. Um, and and well, it'll be, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. That's one of the holdbacks. That's one of the things that they're what I call teeter-tottering on each time because there is the the very right point of view that says we don't want the Supreme Court telling the states what to do. We have states' rights. At the other side of it, I am very frustrated because we're told on the front end about everything that happened last fall. Well, before November the 3rd, there were no damages, and afterward we're told it's moot and we can't do anything about it. I don't understand. There has to be somewhere that we get redress for these issues. There has to be. Yeah, I've been checking this stuff out and looking at it. And uh, let's see, let me just go back. Uh, Eric Erickson from Red State was talking about it. He said, Justice Thomas wrote a statement dissenting from the denial of the case filed by the Trump administration and the Pennsylvania GOP. Justice Alito wrote a separate statement in which he agreed with Justice Thomas And Justice Gorsuch joined in with Justice Alito's statement dissenting from the denial of review. That lineup means that Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Barrett were among the six justices voting to deny review. The case involving the changes to Pennsylvania election laws by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court involved a particularly thorny question dealing with federalism as the justification given by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court in its decision. So it was based on a provision of the Pennsylvania Constitution mandating that elections be free and equal. Defenders of the Pennsylvania Court's decision argued that it is an accepted matter of U.S. Supreme Court jurisprudence that state Supreme Courts have final say on the meaning of their state's constitution. And in this instance, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court determined that Pennsylvania's November 2020 elections could only be fair and equal for all voters if the deadline for receiving mail-in ballots was extended by three days based on the justifications presented to the court in the record of the case. So, yeah, you know, I, I can understand that this could get really nitpicky when they uh, they bring that uh, up and are they going to hear about it and whether this, the Supreme Court wants to get involved in it. I, I think well, that they probably missed an opportunity to get involved when they need to because it has not only an impact upon Pennsylvania voters but an impact upon uh, American voters. Now, perhaps... 
they would have voted differently if the 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 results of the election turned on what happened specifically in Pennsylvania. Well, but here's the question, Dave. Why should their decision to hear that case turn on that point? If I've, I've had this explained to me by a judge, and I understand the legal law that says what it says, I think what I'm arguing is that we need to change the laws, perhaps. There is something wrong that needs to be taken care of here, at least thoroughly investigated, checked out, and corrected in order to restore the trust of it half the country in our election system. And I'm very disturbed that our judiciary can't find a way, okay, they seem to be able to find a way to not take all these cases. Why can't they find a way to take a couple of them and help settle this confusion and commotion and and roiling disagreement that we're having over all of this? It's not going to go away. Now, I don't know that even if the judiciary ruled on it, <laughs> that it would go away. Well, I know it would go away. But it's making it a lot worse that they won't rule on these cases, I think. Um, well, I don't know if that's the case. Hey, listen, we've got a friend on the line. Let's let her get in and, and give us her, her two cents worth. Scotty is over in Conway. <laughs> Good hey, Scotty, morning, how Scotty. are you? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> well, I was just listening to your... You know, uh, your interest in the in the redistricting and everything. And I have said for many years since I worked on the census that you ought to be a citizen. In other words, they should count citizens for the House of Representatives and, you know, whatever, because that house only has so many representatives. And when they start taking away a representative from another state and giving it to these states that have many illegals in them, then you change the balance in the House. Oh, yeah. I don't mind them being counted for other purposes, but for the for the purpose of how many senators and, I, I mean, how many uh, representatives we have, that changes your electoral vote. That changes some other things as well, and I just I I disagree with. Um, I think it will have a. I do think it will have an effect, Dave, on you know what happens later on. It it affects your election. Now then, what you and 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 Elizabeth are talking about right now is, I'm just I just find it absolutely unbelievable that our Supreme Court doesn't look at these cases. I hope that. Uh, uh, Mike Lindell's case that will obviously come up. Yeah, he will show a lot of information there because it will hit the court. Um, you know, they they've now sued him, so there will be information come to light. We'll see who pays attention. Yeah, well, I agree <laughs> with I agree with you. But who pays attention? I, I think that we have to tread very very carefully because of uh, 10th amendment issues here i mean uh, supreme courts in their own state uh should be calling the, the the balls and strikes on their own state constitution don't you think well oh i think that our state should have you know they have to have control over um you know how 
how that whole process is run and our redistricting and everything. I, I totally agree with all of that. I, what I'm saying, though, is when you count, if we're talking about the redistricting, when you count illegals in that process and you wind up with, in other words, there are only 435 seats in the House. And so when they take away a seat from a state that may be, you know, very much Republican because they didn't get a whole bunch of illegals going into their state, they're very conservative or whatever, then if you're not counting citizens, then when they remove a, when they remove a representative a seat out of that out of that state and put it in a in a place like California, then to me that skews the whole deal. Well, I wouldn't dis- I wouldn't disagree with you. Wouldn't put it's not a far far reach of the imagination to think that the Democrats who have no problems with the illegals wouldn't flood some states with the illegals so that they could get more. Mm-hmm. Or uh, house seats. Right. I, I don't. Dis- I don't deny that. That would have to be. That's something. Now that is something that the Supreme Court's going to have to deal with. Biden is doing it now. He is already dumping people in certain places, mostly Texas, some in San Diego area. He's already doing it. He's releasing illegals on the streets with no COVID testing. That's the story I saw on that one. It had to do with COVID testing. Well, we'll be watching it. We've got to keep our eyes open on it. And uh, I agree with what uh, Scotty was saying. Uh, all this information about Lindell's going to come out that he has. And uh, if it's as uh, damning as it's been said it is, uh, and, and we know that there's been a lot of talk in other areas that they had damning information. And then when when push came to shove, they didn't have damning information at all. Uh, the bottom line is is that uh, it's going to be who appear who who is who is uh, paying attention uh, in America. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, Elizabeth, we got to get our final break in. Let's do that. Then we'll come back and finish up our conversation here on the uh, the uh, the Dave Ellswick show for a Tuesday. Uh, the uh, Bible guys, the uh, best of is coming up in the next hour. Scott is out. Billy is out. Uh, Steve's daughter has COVID-19, so I asked him to stay out of the studio. So uh, we will have a best of here on the Dave Ellswick Show coming up in the next hour for the Bible guys. Until then, let's take a break here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer, and tell you about PI Roofing and the great job that they do taking care of your roof. They do a fantastic job. Look, they've been working uh, whenever have I had a roof problem, they have come out and done my roof at my house. And I've been there now. Uh, it'll be 16 years this year. So I'm I'm real pleased with uh, what they have done. In fact, is it 16 or 17? You know what? It's 18 years this year. Eight. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. But uh, 18 years now that I've lived out in the Cabot area. And so you have, you know, I have them come out every other year and check my roof. This is one of those off years where they'll come out and check my roof. And I think that we're going to find that we probably have some areas that need to be addressed. And when they tell me if we do or we don't, I'll know that I'm getting the right information 
And then uh, if I do, then uh, they'll take it up with my insurance company, get the appraiser out, walk it, and uh, I would expect that uh, if they agree with what PI Roofing is saying, then I'll be paying the $1,000 deductible that I have on my home insurance policy for roof issues. But uh, that's what PI Roofing will do for you. They'll come out, identify bad spots, or tell you you're you're 100% okay, don't worry about it, or yeah, you got some places that are starting to show some weird, but don't worry about them right now. PI Roofing, 707-3551 is their local number. 707-3551 or online, piroofing.com. Okay, so Elizabeth, I, I, I want to talk about a national issue that's going to become a local issue. You ready? Sure. Okay. The Equity Act that uh, Congress is going to be pushing and then into the Senate, dealing with our uh, our uh, uh, civil rights acts, including mm-hmm. LGBT and transgender rights. And uh, a lot of this coming out dealing with uh, the sports arena, with uh, boys identifying as girls, going over and competing against girls, and just whacking them. I mean, literally beating them uh, constantly. And uh, because of that, a lot of girls are losing out on college uh, uh, scholarships. Now, something a lot of people haven't talked about, and I'll have more about this uh, in the coming days here on the Dave Ellswick Show, is that this Equity Act has a religious component to it saying that churches fall under it as much as anybody else. And and that's, you know, religious schools and things of, of that nature. I see a big war coming here in the next few months. Have you been keeping up with this? There's been so much coming at us. I knew this one was on the horizon, but until I read this today, it's pretty alarming. They basically are removing any ability to have a religious exemption on any activity. And they want to add sex orientation and gender ID into the Civil Rights Act. And uh, it will, again, like so many other things they're doing, completely overturn most of our culture and the way that our country has behaved. There is no need. We already have protection for these folks. Yeah, it's They're kind of interesting. Overboard. It's way to, overboard. Yeah, the RIFRA acts will not will even have to be changed. Exactly. That's what I've what I've exactly. read. So I can't. I don't want to start really digging into it because I haven't read deep enough into it to be able to talk that way. I just want everybody to understand that uh, the Democrat Party is pushing hard. I mean, really hard now. Very to do hard that. on everything. You know, they're trying to they're trying to really turn that upside down. All right, now another local another uh, law that's going to be up, and I and I, I we kind of mentioned this a little bit. I sent out a um, uh, text message to Bob Ballinger. I haven't heard from him. Of course, he may not be up yet. You stand may, your ground coming on today. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get. He doesn't get up typically till after six, so uh, he may not see this until after I've left the air this morning. But um, 
I want to know what happens if this doesn't get through the Judiciary Committee in the House. Um, has there been any changes in wording? I haven't heard anything. It's They've been very, very quiet about this now. Uh, and usually when that happens, it's because both sides are working out something that everybody can agree on. So we'll have to see. Uh, what happens here? I don't know if uh, the uh, uh, I, I don't know if the the writing, so to speak, uh, the the uh, vernacular in the bill has been changed a little bit to make this this group that has been screaming so loud about this is a bad bill to hush up. I don't know if it is or not. So um, I I should have tried to get a hold of Bob yesterday and found out but i didn't know it was coming up today see that's what i'm talking about quiet yeah they've been quiet about when it's coming back because they they want to spare the the politicians uh uh, all the phone calls and we'll see if that happens or not if there's somebody listening right now and they want to jump in on it they can i i got about 90 seconds here uh, 8230965. You know, you can call in, but I'll hear from Bob, I'm sure. But if it dies in the in the House committee today, can I they think still it's over for this session? Yeah, is it over or can they still go back and do a pol- parliamentary procedure where they still pull it out and take it to the floor? I don't know. See, I, mm, I don't know I if don't that's know the case or not. So, uh, I'm I'm not a, a parliamentary procedure expert on that there's some people that are very good on that if i if i had doyle webb here right now he could tell us he is an expert on that stuff he knows how to play he knows how to play the game all right well i'm gonna let you go we are out of time i hate to say that but we are we are out of time today here on the dave ellswick show i appreciate you coming in so we've given people some information you'll want to keep up on sb6 now as it goes over to the house and see how that that uh, uh, turns out. And uh, I'm sure that it's going to get out to the floor. If it gets to the floor, I would expect that it will be passed. So uh, know that that piece of legislation probably will make its way to the Supreme Call Court. Call your lawmakers. And, and they'll have to, yeah, they'll have to decide whether they're going to hear it or not. And uh, I can't, I can't uh, tell you that I have no doubt in my mind that they'll hear it. Just to be honest, I thought they'd hear the Pennsylvania thing uh, as well. With that in mind, I will talk to you again next Tuesday, ma'am. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you later. 65 degrees. That's what they say it's going to be today. It's going to be beautiful out. I'm going to get my walking in. Hope you do, too. Stay healthy. Get ready for spring. It's not that far in the future. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Best of uh, Bible Guys coming up.
is not the original group who did that song. But that's okay. I love the song. All right. Bottom line, who was the original group? Doobie Brothers. The Doobie Brothers. And that was in, uh, what, 70, maybe 3, 74 at the most? Something like that. Yeah, right around that time. I got it on cassette. You know where it was? <laughs> uh, on cassette? Heidi, do you know what a cassette is? Oh, you do. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know if you knew. Uh, a lot of people don't even know what a cassette Do you know what an 8-track is? Your dad has 8-tracks, doesn't he? <laughs> I used to hate 8-tracks. Why is that? Well, because you'd be, for instance, I'll give you, they only come out at night. Edgar Winter Group. You remember only come Edgar? out at night. Yeah, that was the name of the album. Right? I thought they you only said the eight out. tracks only come out at <laughs> no, night. No, no, no. Like, they, only came, they can only come out at night. That was the name of the uh, the eight track or the album at that time. Yeah. And it was by the Edgar Winter Group, and it, it had Free Ride on it, and it had uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> You know that yeah, song. That song yeah. Okay, so anyway, in the middle of the song, so they could move it from track two to track three, yeah. they faded out the song, uh-huh. and then it could click, and it would go to the next track, and then it go... And then here comes the song back again. I hated that. <laughs> I hated that. And so. no rewind. No, there, there, is no, no rewind. there is no rewind on You miss oh, your really? song on the track. you yeah. got to replay the entire track. you got to go through the whole <laughs> oh, track really? to get to it. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Yeah, that used, now, that's just talking old school. But, yeah, I love Doobie Brothers' version of this. Who is this? What's the name of the group, uh, Heidi? Just this is DC Talk. Is that DC oh, Talk? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, see, everybody forgets that song and how important that song was during the the Jesus movement of the seventies. Mm. Mm. It was huge. It was huge that you had a a big name rock and roll group yeah. talking about Jesus. Wow, yep. Yep. you wow. know, and that's a really just straight on message right there. Yeah, you know, a lot of people didn't like it. The old folks back then didn't like hearing us say Jesus is just all right with me. You know. All that, right. that, 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 they didn't get it, but that's okay. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It's, it's all right. It's just that that kind of music was actually getting played on at that time. AM radio was uh, well, you, big you, news. You oh. can look at it from the perspective. I think they were singing the song is they were saying it's cool. You know, basically. Yeah. To be a follower, but the theological question is: Are you all right with Jesus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's the other way I, around. I agree with that as well. But it was it, it was steps in the right direction. Right? Were, were you were you in the Jesus movement? Yes, I, mean, I was. You were absolutely. Yeah, I, I used to do a show every Saturday night on the college radio station, hmm. playing at that time what were were called you know progressive Christian music, which. To be honest with you, you know, might as well had Frank Sinatra singing it or whatever. But, oh, really? Uh, yeah, it wasn't real progressive, uh-huh. you know. And then the, the big albums came out that were the answer to Jesus Christ Superstar and all of that kind of stuff. So were you born again during the Jesus movement, or were you born again before that? No, I was born before that. Before that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a life-changing experience under my grandfather's preaching when I was about five and a half years old. Right. I remember you about your grandfather, yeah. Yeah, he had a big... Uh, look, my grandfather died when I was 10, all right? Yeah. Oh, wow. But he had a huge impact on me wow. as a kid. I mean, he talked to me like I was an adult. Right. Uh-huh. Number one, I was raised with adults. I, I, I was the youngest in my family, mm. so all my brothers were gone out into the world. So I was there with my mom and dad, and you know, 
they'd have canasta night or whatever, and I'd be sitting in there talking with the adults and right. stuff. So I was a little bit different than your average kid, to be honest with you. And, what do you mean were? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of different. But uh, my grandfather would ask me, He, uh, well, when he was on his deathbed, he asked me, he said, how are you enjoying life? Oh, wow. I'm 10, 10 years, years old, old. <laughs> all right? And I'm like, well, yeah, granddad, it's cool, you know? <laughs> and uh, he was, that's when he told me, you don't ever have to be afraid of death, Dave. Right. You know, you've been saved. <clears throat> you don't have to ever be afraid of death. I'm not yeah. afraid of death. Yeah. You know, it was really, I mean, those are, those are things that have stuck with me mm. all through my life mm. and why my wife still to this day doesn't understand why I look at death the way I do. Yeah. You know, I was, um, I was with a lady uh, yesterday who um, is a member of our church who has been given a terminal uh, mm. diagnosis and she has, um, they've told her anyway that she's probably got about two more months left. Wow. And so I'm sitting with her and she is as excited as anyone mm. could imagine. She, she, said, I am, she veil, said, I man. am so excited. She said, I'm about to see Amen. him. Right. I'm about yeah. to be there. Amen. And I, I was just like, you know what? Your attitude is just right phenomenal but yeah. that was that's the way she is she has no fear instead good. she has great excitement about just good stepping over yep just stepping over that'd be good for her family too oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. i'm just, just to process that, that for good sure for her family yeah like uh i like uh like that definitely that she's looking at it that way yeah i'm, I'm going to go get i'm going to get our our questions here but okay uh are we up on facebook what are we up on facebook um, i'm looking looks like we're up we're not on Facebook now. Now we're still having problems. Just oh, so right. everybody know, if you're trying to watch us on Facebook, it, it's it's giving us a hard time. You know, uh, Heidi has did a hard stop and a hard start, and and I offered her a baseball bat that I have in my car. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, nah, "Probably won't do what we want it to do." So anyway, uh, they're fixing, they're working on it. This happens ever so often. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, to yeah. be honest, with the way, you know, Facebook and, I'm and Twitter and all that. Yet, yeah, so. I yeah. haven't been banned. Let's, I'm knocking on, well, that's not wood, it's plastic. <laughs> okay, just let you know. Uh, yeah, see, for instance, when my daughter died, which was a total shock to my family, uh, she was going to be 44 years old, mm. and she had a uh, deep vein thrombosis wow you see the ads on television you you hear about all the medicines i'm going to tell you it's a real deal and mm-hmm. it can kill you and it killed my daughter and i i was had gotten back from the funeral in or the memorial service uh and my gm was here and he says how are you doing dave and i looked at him and uh, kind of with tears in my eyes to be honest i said i don't know how anybody handles life without jesus christ yeah yeah i just don't i don't see how you can do it Mm -hmm. you have no hope no well and many of them don't Uh, we're we're seeing suicide rates at all-time highs Mm -hmm. right and and the reason is um people do not have hope and um particularly if you don't believe in an afterlife what's what's the point Um, i I agree choose to end end it person with uh, the most toys at the end wins is right the thing Uh, yeah bumper sticker i've seen we're also, unfortunately, watching a lot of people in the church <clears throat> find out where they actually put their faith because they're all tripping right now because the 
politics didn't go the way they prayed yeah. or believed, yeah. and somehow they think God has abandoned Talked us. Talked about that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, really. You put your, you're putting your faith in a man. I said, yeah. go back and read about Israel and Saul. Mm-hmm. Right. Go back and read about that. Yeah, I'm yeah. just hoping that when we get past the first week of March, a bunch of that will calm down. That yeah. People will go, oh, okay, so it really is over. Why, just, why the first week of March? Is it because of this? Uh, that's the last March. of the conspiracy yeah. theories. Yeah. Right. So um, it's it's not going to ha- If you're out there holding on to that hope, yeah. you need to let go of that and hang on to Jesus instead because that's right. it's, it's going to pass and, and nothing's the, uh, going to happen. For those so. who are wondering, the short synopsis is March 4th was the ori- original inauguration day. And there are people who still think that um, there's this grandmaster scheme to catch all of the conspiracy, not the conspiracy, but all the uh, insurrectionists, which they've labeled Trump people. But the people who are the conspiracy guys believe that the true insurrectionists are the Democrats and what they did with, quote, stealing the election. And they think that Trump's going to bring back the original I can do uh, nothing but laugh. constitutional okay, republic and he'll be re-inaugurated on March the 4th. Yeah. Yeah. And the people are saying, well, yeah, I hear you making fun, yeah. Dave. Yeah, you, that's because you just don't understand. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I don't understand. They're, there, they're all be, the guys that are watching the History Channel and listening to the guy go, so it was aliens? Aliens. I'm not saying aliens. <laughs> I'm not saying right. aliens. But and, and I'm not making fun of those individuals. Um, I, to some extent, um, I, I feel sorry because they've been fooled. Yep, yep. Um, it, there's a deception. And there's a strong sense of deception in this country right now. Yeah, um and that's all part of what's going to happen in the next decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to be you need to be seeking the light. You need to be seeking the one who can lift the scales of deception off your eyes um, you, and stop. As as Steve was just saying, stop putting your faith in a man and turn to the only one that truly matters, or um, a party, or a country, or anything right. that's of this um, world. Because guess um, what? As Petra said, we are not of this world. That's right. That's right. All right. I'll take you back for a great song. That's a great song. There you go. I love that song. I used talking to listen to Petra all the time. I'm talking about rock. music yeah. group. Yeah. yeah, Petra, which was a true Christian rock group. Yeah. Yeah, along with the Resurrection Band. I love their 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 uh, branding statement. Music to raise the dead. gotta love that gotta love that hey don't forget about david lucas and his ultimate retirement planning checklist uh get yourself one of these so that you will be able to retire uh when you want to all right like 65 or 70 or whatever it's going to be maybe 60 some people can can do that uh, if you if you're like 20 years old and you'll follow these rules here you'll be ready to retire maybe at 50 you know, just keep that in mind. Uh, but just know that you need to be able to answer some questions about health care and taxes and your Social Security and, and things of that nature. And know when certain pieces are going to fall into place and when, you know, other place pieces start earlier. Uh, get a hold of uh, David and ask him for a copy of this. Go to his website, davidlucasfinancial.com, or call him at 501-222-3315. Never too early to start. You can start too late, but you can never start too early to get ready to retire. And talk to the good folks over at David Lucas Financial. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we're just sitting here talking during the break and uh, talking about remembering when we came face-to-face with Christ. Mm -hmm. And when we made that decision that, you know, I've made my decision to follow Jesus. And it is a life 
life-altering decision. Doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. Right. Doesn't mean you're not going to fall away and you're going to get into sin and then you're going to be like the prodigal son and you're going to come back again. The bottom line is what it means is that you knew you met the God of the universe. Right. Amen. And when you meet the God of the universe, I'm just telling you, yep. you'll know it. Yep. Yep. You will know and it. And everybody yeah. else will, too. Yeah. Right. Other people will know it as well. I love telling, I'm going to tell one more story, and, and I love telling the stories when I was in the military, and I was about 29 years old, probably, and I had been attending services uh, at a kind of charismatic church on, on Guam, and uh, I, I come back to my uh, my room, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name to now. I, it was David something, and uh, we were uh, praying together. And we got into this whole – I think I've told you this story, Scott. I think I told you when we, we had uh, had Passover at your house that time. And we were, we were praying about we wanted to see Christ on the throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, I, you know, I read Revelation. I don't know how John wrote Revelation when he was experiencing what he experienced – uh, because I'm going to tell you this experience that I had. And you can't take it away from me because I experienced it and it really mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And we were in my room in the dorm uh, there on Anderson Air Force Base, and we were praying, and all of a sudden, and best way I can put it, the Spirit of the Lord fell on us. Wow. And we could not lift our heads. uh uh-huh. <laughs> I could not look up. And the room got exceedingly I'll use I'm going to use I'm going to use a uh, uh, King James word. The, the 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 room became exceedingly <laughs> bright. Mm. Wow. And then it went dim again. And I'm going to tell you what, I don't I look forward to experiencing it again. Mm-hmm. I've never been more elated, and I've never been more terrified yeah. at the same time. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And we both kind of got up on our knees and looked at each other. <laughs> I felt I, – the movie hadn't even come out yet. I, I felt like uh, Keanu Reeves. And it just went, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you both experienced the same thing. Exactly right? the same yeah. time. Wow. Wow. It mm-hmm. was incredible. Wow. And I'm just telling you, if you doubt that the God of the universe is there, I'm here to tell you, have no doubts. Yes, amen. Yeah. He is there. Amen. He's not, a, he's, not, I, he's not in this dimension is how, the best way I can put it. He's mm-hmm. here in his spirit, but he is – really in a physical form yeah. and we're going to see that Amen. and that's why i talk about the, the, i know i have to you scott that i look for it when he comes back mm-hmm. and the heavens split dude i i i know there's so many people who think they're going to run up and they're going to throw their arms around christ and just say hey what's happening guy no no <laughs> no the great and dreadful we're talking man we're, we're just talking pure mm. purity and, right. and you can't stand in front of that. You're right. going to fall straight yeah. on your face. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be, I get excited. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get excited. And I get overcome at times. I get real emotional when I talk about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, just so you guys know. Praise God. I wrote a question for the show this coming Tuesday. Sent it in last week, but I wanted to add this one thought. Now, they asked this question, is all sin equal? 
That was the question. The verse used to use to say that all sin is the same is James two ten. You got your Bible right there, uh, Steve. You want to look up James two ten and we can read it. Uh, well, he's got it right here. I'll read it. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. I think this is where the idea comes from about one sin being the same as any other sin. Is that true? Can we give the good Jewish answer? Go yes, for it. yes, and no. Mm-hmm. Um, right. <clears throat> I like that. Y- yes, in the sense that all sin separates us from God. Um, no, in that um, there were certainly gradations of sin and how it was dealt with, and that is still true now. There, um, g- God will forgive all sin except one, right? And therefore, um, there must be difference in his eyes between sin. I like that. Yeah, and there were certain sins. Um, you know, whenever you deal with this, you have to deal with you know the. You don't just look at one verse about sin. You have to look at the overall view of it, and God is the same. So there were some sins um, that uh, you were actually uh, killed for. Mm-hmm. And there are other sins that you just brought an offering for. There were some sins. Um, actually, remember the prodigal son. He says, "Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you." Right. So some sins are against people yep, not all sin is against god some sins are against people uh and uh, the the bible does say there is a verse that says um uh that there's a certain sin that is unto death uh and uh and i pulled up this one verse here uh it's actually in uh, john's gospel my glasses out uh in john's gospel in chapter 19 in verse 11 and jesus and jesus answer said uh, you could have no uh, power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me, uh, I'm sorry, therefore, the, who, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So even Jesus' coming, there are some sins that are greater than other sins. So all sins are, as as, uh, as Billy was saying, are all um, violation. Missing the mark. Right? Yeah, missing I mean, the mark. Right, yeah. Correct. But there are some that are greater than others, Steve. Well, the the... The scripture that Scott was referring to is in uh, 1 John uh, 5.16. It says, if anyone see his brother sinning, a sin which is not lead, does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. And there is a sin leading to death. And I do not say that he should pray about that. For all unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. And so he kind of hinted back to that in the Old Testament. That's, the kind, of, that's kind of like talking in a circle. Right. There. Well, he's, he's <laughs> letting them know. I want to talk to John about that. Right. <laughs> he's, he's just letting them know that obviously he, if you see somebody doing something that they shouldn't be doing, it's a sin and it's falling short, but it's not something that would get you stoned or get you killed according to, right. the, to the law. So, yes, there are things. So when people say things like, well, we're all sinners, okay, but I may have gossiped a little bit. But they killed somebody, and yes, we all fall short, but there's different penalties for that. So you can't say, well, you're a sinner just like me. That's not entirely accurate. Yes, we all have fallen short, but there should become a place where we don't commit sin that leads to death, right? Right. Um, There will be a time where there's a stumbling of the flesh, uh, but not a purposeful, you know, neglecting, willful disobedience any longer. And I think that's... I, I think we all can agree, Hitler... Sinned a lot. Correct. Right. Willful. Yes. So Willful. If, if Steve stole a pen off of your desk, he's not going to be receive the same punishment as someone like like a Hitler. I mean, there's right. different variations and degrees of that. And 
Jesus here says that the reason why Jesus talks about a greater sin is because when you willfully do something, mm-hmm. uh, knowingly do it, willfully sin, then that that's a different level of sin than someone who accidentally uh, does it or someone has a lustful thought that flies to their head as a dart of the enemy and they entertain it for a few minutes. That's totally different than mm-hmm. someone who willfully, methodically plans out and executes a sinful act. That's that's a greater All right. thing. We'll come back, talk more about this. We're digging below the surface here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Bible guys are here. Rush is with us as well. Let's see what he has to say. All right. You got to get your house clean. All right. But don't expect your wife to do it. I'm going to suggest to you that you call 404-6560 today and talk to Chuck after 9 o'clock. And there's like six of these left. Uh, and they are uh, certificates so that you can get St. Uh, Clarity residential cleaning to come to your house. Now, if you have a house that's like up to 1,500 square feet, typically costs $200 to get it deep cleaned. And uh, I should have her back on just to talk about what's deep cleaning because if you think you deep clean your house, I bet you you don't, all right, after you listen to her talk. But the bottom line is, Typically, that costs 200 bucks. You can buy a certificate right through 1011 FM, The Answer, and the Dave Ellswick Show for 100 bucks. Get 50% off. Uh, if you got a house that's bigger than 1,500 square foot, goes up 2,500 square foot, it's typically $300, only $150 uh, right here at The Answer. Just call 404-6560 to get one of these. And then they'll be in, you know, you'll have a number, you call them, they'll go over it, they'll go through their checklist of everything they're going to do, and then they'll show up at your house. And uh, it may take them several hours uh, to get your house cleaned. If you're suffering from a little bit of depression, maybe something's happened, maybe somebody's died in your family, and, you know, there's an area that you go to to kind of get away from the world, so to speak, and you don't want anybody to touch it, you just tell them. They won't even bother it. They'll leave you alone and uh, you don't have to worry about it. But St. Clarity Residential Cleaning will clean your home in such a way that, you know, how you walk in your house and you go, "Ah, it smells good, it looks good, they'll do that for you. Mm. I hate the dust, and I I feel sorry for them. I bought two of these for my wife for for Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day. And I'm going to give it to her so that she don't have to clean the house. And, and and when they do it, it lasts for like four weeks. Mm. And uh, the the products they use kills COVID-19 virus. Mm. So, uh, you know, give yourself a break. Give your wife a break. Give your some. Give yourself a break uh, and get yourself one of these. Half price off on having a deep clean of your house, 404-6560. Bible guys are here. We've been talking about sin. The question was, are all sins the same? And the answer according to the Bible guys, is no. Will sin keep you out of heaven? Yes. All right? But, you know, there's there's gradations. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. It works for me. Did mm-hmm. I say it right? Gradings. <laughs> yeah, there's gradients. There's, 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 yeah. there's, there's, it's a Dave Ellswick word. Yeah. Gradations. <laughs> <laughs> Levels yeah. of sin, so to speak. Dante may have not been totally wrong, just so you know. <laughs> right. Go ahead, Steve. You wanted yeah, to Yeah, add. the other thing I was going to add, that the, the Bible talks about sin, and then it talks about 
uh, holy or unholy things, and then it talks about unclean things. <clears throat> and then so we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we're dealing with? Because um, if you look at something that's unholy, we get the idea that it's just an absolute sinful thing, and, it, and what it really mm-hmm. means is just to be completely different or completely sanctified, completely set apart. So you could uh, maybe use language you shouldn't be using that's not holy. Maybe you're watching something you shouldn't be watching that's not holy. It's not necessarily a sin, but it's not set apart. It's not different. Uh, and when the other word that's used is unclean, that's commonly used with either foods or um, something that requires a ritual immersion, like touching a dead body or a woman in her monthly cycle. And if you were to say something like, well, you know, that, that Jesus was probably unclean a couple of times, like when the woman with the issue of blood touched him and that kind of stuff, people would go, unclean is sin. Well, it's not. It just means that you've come in contact with something that's not holy. It's not righteous. Like a dead kind of body. Thing. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And so we have to, you can use those principles in your life to find out that, yeah, maybe this is not a sin, uh, but am I really acting in a fully righteous manner? Am I fully set apart? Uh, or am I doing anything that technically might be viewed as something unclean, not quite the full level of sin, but just something that's not righteous? Okay. What, what, would, you, uh, what would you guys say? Um, with the uh, the person who wrote the question, they use the verse of scripture there in James. Says, if you offend in one part, then you're guilty of all of it. Well, how would I, you guys when how you, would you guys and, parse that out? And read that he was when you back up, he's talking about how they were showing partiality to the rich people that were coming in, right? And and so I think that he was probably um, uh, showing that what they were doing there was a sin, and that that if they're that they're going to be guilty in that one part, maybe it was pride or maybe it was covetousness, whatever it was. That they were showing that partiality. He goes, then you're guilty of all. That's kind of the that was the five or six verses that were prior to that. Yep. <clears throat> okay, you remember last week I was talking about waiting for perfection and then not getting anything done. You guys remember me making that statement? I have to say I I don't. Okay, remember. well I was talking about and I was using it in in well maybe it wasn't to you maybe it was to some people that I was talking about passing laws here in the state and everybody wanted it to be exactly this way because it's got to be perfect. And and what happens a lot of times is that then nothing gets done. And I, and I, I, I I was sitting at church Sunday. That was so great is that the Lord left this verse right here and for teaching and it's Ecclesiastics 11, four it's from the living Bible. All right. And here's what it says. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, thank you, Lord. Yeah, um, you know, I'm kind of, you know, thank you for you know saying that to me because yeah. uh, I'm my wife and I have been you know talking and stuff. And yesterday we heard something about our taxes that made her upset, and she says, "See, always things go bad, blah blah blah, and like that." And I said, "Wait," I said, "Just Saturday, we we would." We were uh, looking at our finances and, and and things were just a little tighter than I like it to be. And I went to the mailbox and I had prayed about it. I prayed it over. I prayed about it at breakfast mm-hmm. with my wife. And I went to the uh, to the mailbox and I opened up the mailbox and there were two checks for a total of seventeen hundred and something dollars. <laughs> Did you dance back to the house? I, I went in and, <laughs> and I gave praise to the Lord. Amen. All right. And Amen. and but I, I looked at my wife and I said, "Yesterday you were praising with me, yeah, right. and now you're 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 cursing it." And I said, "Stop it." Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, stop doing that. Yeah. Don't let your emotions get that grip on you like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, emotions are a strong thing yes, for a lot of people. Are. And she looked at me. She says, "You're right. Good. You know, you're right." You know, I mean, how can you praise him one day and curse him the next? Mm. You know, I didn't understand that. I still don't understand that. I don't ever curse him. I just tell him he needs to hurry up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bad thing. To I do. question. The don't more you tell him to hurry I'm up, saying, the longer he's going to take. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the favorite statements I ever heard was that we serve a crockpot God in a microwave world. Yeah. I love that statement. I like that. Yeah. I do. It takes a long, long time to cook in the crock pot. Twelve well, hours normally. Yeah. You know, God's timing is always perfect, but that also means it's always last minute, right? That's just what right. it feels like sometimes. You you could on occasion answer that prayer three or four days in advance. Right. That that would be okay with me. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. But then the teaching moment passes. Yeah. 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 You, know, you see the, the beautiful timing of God to where. <coughs> excuse me. You know, you were talking about beautiful timing. I don't think that was <laughs> yeah, it. Where where you are, you're at the table praying for a financial miracle. Mm-hmm. So God had to two days before mm-hmm, you prayed right. that prayer, put that check or those checks in the mail, he so, already knew. so that they would arrive just right after you prayed. I mean, he's yeah, he he's the knew. best chess player. Just, yeah, he's yeah. perfect. He yeah. already knew. Amen. You know, I mean, Amen. I mean, Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed, and the reason it hadn't been answered is because the angels were fighting demons. The contention right. in the heavens, right. yeah. you know, that's right. It was going down. Mm-hmm. And if you think of, that Daniel, is over, it's not. <laughs> no, so it, take it, a look around the world. It's yeah. not over. <clears throat> yeah. That fight is still ongoing. Yeah, it is. It is a fight that it occurs, which brings us up, and this is good because uh, Steve has been working towards doing a whole thing about Bible prophecy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's uh, this this person says, could you ask the Bible guys to address the end time predictions of Daniel nine? I know it might be a lot to ask, but I think it is really fascinating at this point in time. If I am not mistaken, I think Pastor Steve has mentioned mm-hmm. that he has an, an end time Bible study each week, so maybe this is right up his alley. <laughs> it is. There you go. Um, th- uh, something that that Billy and I and a couple other people do. Try and do it every Tuesday evening. <clears throat> but the, this part, um, one of the courses that I worked on uh, for the Institute, is the, it's going to be called uh, uh, Prophet's Prophecy in the End Times. And I, in the first semester, it's going to be a three-semester course. In the first semester, I deal with this specific fulfilled prophecy. Uh, and then when I get to the third semester, we're going to look at it as, in its future context as well. The primary purpose of this was to actually predict the coming of the Messiah. Uh, we cannot even remotely get close to – there's books written about Daniel right, 9, right. right? Not just Daniel, but Daniel 9. Uh, we could spend a month and a half or probably all year talking about yeah. Daniel 9 because there is a lot in there. But its primary purpose was to tell the coming of the Messiah. And for those who don't know, it talks about the 70 weeks that are determined for the people of Israel and for the city of Jerusalem and all of that. And that seventy weeks um, is it was it means seventy sevens in Hebrew, uh, and it, it equates to about four hundred ninety year period of time. And from the giving of this prophecy until the coming of Jesus uh, was about four hundred and eighty three years. Right. And some there are some people I forgot the guy's name who did it in the late eighteen hundreds, like Sir, I forgot mm-hmm. his name. Anyway, yeah. he actually did the calculations and could give you the date the way in which Jesus actually rode on the donkey into Jerusalem. And so on the initially. It talks about the coming of the Messiah, and it fits perfectly. It fits absolutely perfectly telling us when the Messiah was going to come. What they're referring to 
is that last week, and this is where there's tremendous debate. Uh, some will tell you that, that that whole 490 was fulfilled by the time of Jesus, and I'll give you the scripture that they're referring to, and it says that this person that's coming shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And some think that that week was part of Jesus's ministry because he was here for three and a half years. And then it says in the middle of the week that he would be cut off, and he was, and all that kind of stuff. So like I said, there's a lot here. I'm really giving you a big thumbnail sketch here. But what they think is that this is in the end times, there's going to be a confirmed covenant for one week with the anti-Messiah. And that's that's what they kind of think is coming. And what I'm telling you is there's three different ways to interpret that. Uh, so there are some people who, who put it purely in the future with an anti-Messiah, then there are others who actually put it in the first century and will tell you that Jesus was the one who confirmed the covenant with many. And because the word confirmed there actually means to make stronger. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean to cut a covenant. It means to make something stronger. Uh, I think there's dual fulfillments. That's the thing that I'm really going to be addressing when I f- start teaching that course is part of the big misunderstanding that we have with prophecy is we've read it all like a bunch of Greeks and we read it in order and we read it linearly and we think it's all fulfilled like check mark, check mark, check mark. Yeah. Now we're waiting for this, we're waiting for that. And I'm telling you, there's multiple layers and multiple fulfillments. Daniel 9 is very difficult to get into in 15 minutes. Uh, but that's really kind of the thumbnail of what Daniel 9 is dealing about. One, the first coming of the Messiah, and it seems to have a parallel meaning of when his second coming is. Yeah. I think that uh, it's important for our listeners to understand that, that, um, Prophecies can be um, what we call cyclical. They can have multiple fulfillments. There are some that can't. Obviously, the arrival of the Messiah, mm-hmm. that's, that's not going to happen. But The return. That's going to happen once. Right. right. And, but <laughs> right. When, it, when it comes to this temple being being destroyed, being desecrated, this, this has happened multiple times. The city of Jerusalem has actually been destroyed and rebuilt 18 times, more than any other city in the entire planet. And so there's cyclical prophecies that, that do happen. And also it's important to understand also that the, all the, the Old Testament, <clears throat> from the first time that the, uh, the prophets come along, so after Moses, all the prophets prophesied in about a 300-year period of time. And many of them were prophesying at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. So all these guys, a lot of these guys knew each other. In our mind, we think literally like a Greek will. So I will say, okay, well, you know, Jeremiah prophesied here. And then, then came Ezekiel, and he prophesied here, and then Daniel did this. And they, they kind of laid out this long line of thinking there was one prophet at one time in the nation of Israel. And that just isn't true. Isaiah was prophesying in the cities at the same time Micah was prophesying in the villages. And so you take their two prophecies, and you lay them over each other, and then you get a full picture of what's happening. So you can't read linearly. If you do that, then you then you will then you will misunderstand what's going on. So you have to layer these things, and Daniel mm-hmm. is like that. He starts off by saying, okay, I'm reading the prophet Jeremiah, and this is what I get from Jeremiah's right, writing. Right. And so so he's lay, layering these things on top of each other, which uh, which is one of the reasons why. The, the angel comes and says, hey, this is more than about 70 years. It's about 77s, yeah. and he layers it for him. All right, we're going to continue this discussion. Don't run away. Uh, We'll talk more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A break, and then we've got more for you. Some people like linear storytelling better than they like non-linear. Linear is is Greek, all right? I mean, it it is what the Greeks set up for us. Uh, There is a movie that's done by Christopher Nolan, and I, I don't know if a lot of people have seen it or not, and it's called Memento. That that's what the movie's called, and it's told in a non-linear style, 
and it has you lots of times completely confused. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it starts off at guy waking up out of bed, standing in front of a mirror, and he's written all this stuff all over his body backwards so that when he stands in front of the mirror, it all is in the correct order. Yeah. But the story is not in the correct order. Well, it's a great movie. Christopher Nolan's one of my favorite directors. If you saw Tenet, and he's all in the time uh, conundrums and stuff, uh, that's what that was. Did you see Inception? Yes. Another great movie. That's Christopher Nolan as well. Oh, is it really? I just rewatched that while I was sick on saturday oh, really? so that, that's yeah. really a good movie yeah. it's an excellent yeah. movie and I, I like that when he spins the top you know right. that's really important when you watch that what you're seeing may not be what you think you're seeing right right that's we, interesting steve and i had a, a teacher um years ago and he uh, i was actually at a at an academic conference with him and he was presenting a paper um as you do for peer-reviewed things but his paper was on what he called cylindrical time. Mm. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't linear, but it was cylindrical Bit. time. So time. Okay. so so it was it was I'll say it was confusing. It was it yeah, was it left a lot of people just imagine. completely you know dumbstruck. But but thinking hebraically, biblically does not mean you think in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Look, let me just do a little physics there for okay. you. I can do it in here. You take a look at we look at space and time this way on a flat piece of paper. Point A, point B. Mm-hmm. How fast can you get from A to B across the piece of paper? Right. But you can bend time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, if you can bend time, you take A and you bend it across and it gets there with B and you punch a hole in the paper, you're at B as soon as you're within yep. A. Mm-hmm. And I physics, know that that's crazy sounding, but... It, current astrophysics tells us that's yeah, possible. It can so, be done. Um, the, and that's uh, what they're talking about, space travel. Right. Yeah. The, um, or black holes, the laws that God yeah. created, mm-hmm. um, not only is God beyond our understanding, but the laws that he created uh, are are in large part beyond our understanding as well. And we are so arrogant that we go, oh, we got all this figured out. <laughs> so, it, you know, I mean, uh, you talk to a really honest astrophysicist. Yeah. He says, I'm a, just a confused dude. Yeah. So one of the one of the best <laughs> statements that I ever heard was the more you the more you learn about a field of study, the more you realize you don't, don't know, know. Yeah. about that field of study. Uh, that is an honest uh, examination of yourself right there. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm, uh, a few years ago, I was in Buenos Aires. I was going to be planting a church down there. I was staying at a B&B. If you've ever stayed at a B&B, you know, sometimes you eat breakfast or lunch with people you don't know. You kind of sit at a right, table right, together. Right. So I'm sitting there, and I find out I'm sitting with one of France's premier quantum physicists. And uh, he was so good at his job, he worked two weeks a, a month and then had a two-week vacation every month. He just went all over the world. I want that job. So, so, <laughs> so I took the opportunity to ask him all these uh, questions. And then I, and I know some, uh, a little bit of um, you know, uh, physics. So I started asking him questions that kind of went, rebuffed him a little bit. Yeah. And finally he stopped me and he said, honestly, we don't know anything. Right. <laughs> and I said, I, I beg your pardon? That. He said, we really don't. He said, as soon as we figure out we think we know something – a year or two later, we disprove it. He said, so really, we don't know anything. And I said, so what about all the textbooks that you guys make? And he said, C'est la vie. that's life. <laughs> I said, so the students are learning this, and it's not true. And he said, it's not true. And I said, so you're telling me everything you print and publish is by faith? And he said, yes, it's by faith. I was like, okay. Now let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. let's talk about the now gospel. Now that we've gotten to this point. <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah, that so, makes that makes so much yeah, sense. Yeah. It really does. And I forget who the astrophysicist was that he said he he climbed and climbed and climbed and he climbed to get to the top of of uh, you know knowing what was true. And he says, "I got to the top, and there was God." God, yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, that was that. It's a lot of that's true. Guys, thanks for coming in. Thank you, sir. It's always great. And happy Uh, birthday. Scott, what time, brother? Uh, It's going to be at uh, 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, 701 Napa Valley Drive. Steve, Saturday? 1 o'clock. Same same address. Over there at... uh, At Agape. Agape is what? Okay. That's Shabbat. Shabbat. I've got a good friend by the name of Ben uh, that uh, would say I I write to him every once in a while. And and I usually send it to him on Friday because I know he won't answer his phone on Saturday. And I just wrote, I said, have a great Shabbat. Yep. You know, and he knows what I'm saying. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks, guys. We'll Thank see you, you next week right. here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 in the morning.